Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys about the disappearance of Maura Murray. So grab yourself a shot of espresso, and let's dive in. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give you all a quick reminder about our Patreon account that has been up for over a month now, where we've been posting all of our full episodes a day early, as well as putting all of our exclusive Monday minis and a monthly bonus episode as well. So far, we've uploaded six of our episodes early and have six brand new Monday mini episodes up right now for you to check out. Our most recent bonus episode had our two hosts, Abby and Erica, discussing the new Elisa Lamb documentary on Netflix, which goes into a lot of new exciting details that we did not go over in our actual episode for it. We're also right now in the works on planning our next bonus episode, so if you wouldn't mind supporting us on Patreon, you can donate as little as $3 to get access to some of this content. Maura Murray was born on May 4th, 1982 in Brocktown, Massachusetts, as the youngest daughter of Fred and Lori Murray. Fred was a medical technician and Lori was a nurse. She grew up in Hanson, which was a small suburb in Massachusetts. And when she was just six years old, her parents divorced. Maura was known as a very smart girl, very athletic. She was a part of the National Honor Society and had great grades. She also participated in just about every sport you can think of. She was also in competitive AAU basketball, and so she was traveling all over New England as a teenager playing basketball. Sounds like she was living a pretty busy lifestyle. She was. She was also a runner, so she was constantly finishing in the top tier of runners in the state of Massachusetts. She also broke many school records. She also qualified for the U.S. National Scholastic Outdoor Championships, and ran two miles as a sophomore, and this was in 1998, she ended up finishing 33rd in the entire country in this race, which is pretty impressive. I'd say. She graduated at the top of her class at Whitman Hanson Regional High School, and obviously with being top of the class, she had her pick of colleges, either if she went for academics or athletics. So she decided to accept a congressional nomination from the senator, and she joined her sister, Julie, at the United States Military Academy at West Point. While at this academy, she excelled in all of the athletics and the academics. During her second year there, she decided that the military was not for her. So she transferred to the University of Massachusetts. And there she decided that she was going to pursue a career in nursing and follow in her mom's footsteps. Let's talk about a few things that we've learned about Maura. She is a fast runner. She obviously has some strength to her. I mean, she was in the military academy for a while And she's definitely got some brains, right? Yeah, she sounds like she's hitting all the marks here. Really athletic, really smart, what every parent wants their kid to be. Yes, so I would like for all of you to remember these points. If you're not already familiar with the case, just remember the points that I'm making in regards to Maura's character and her strengths. When Maura was a junior at the University of Massachusetts, she 
was still in the nursing program, but on February 9th, 2004, she was 21 years old and she submitted her nursing homework electronically and then emailed her professors telling them that there had been a death in the family and that she had to leave campus for a week. Who had passed away? That's the thing. Nobody did pass away. This just was a story that she had made up. Oh, maybe she was like trying to take a trip or something. Yeah. So that's exactly what it looks like she was doing so she had called the owner of a condominium in bartlett new hampshire which was a place that maura and her family had gone many times in the past so it wasn't that that abnormal but it was weird that she would be booking a trip in the middle of school to miss class lie to her professors and tell them there had been a death in the family and then just go to this place by herself she had packed her bag with, you know, the typical, the toiletries, makeup, workout attire. She took some of her school books with her and several days worth of clothes. At 3.15 on that same day, she stopped at an off-campus ATM and withdrew $280, which is basically all the money that she had in her account. Then she stopped at a liquor store and bought about $40 worth of alcohol. It's believed that she left that area around 4.30 and got on her 1996 Saturn and started heading toward New Hampshire. Was she planning on like meeting any friends or did she have a significant other that she was meeting up with that we know of? No one is believed to have known anything about her plans. Nobody has said anything. Everybody claims that they had no idea that she was leaving. They had no idea what she was doing. And most of them didn't even know that she had left campus. Huh. That's interesting. It just seems like she woke up that morning and decided she needed to get out of town for something and just decided to go, which I love the spontaneity because I could never do that. Not by myself. Like if you said, hey, Erica, you want to get up tomorrow morning and go to New Hampshire? I'd be like, sure, let's go. But I could never just do that on my own. Right. And it sounds like from how you're talking, this would have been atypical of her to do, though. Like she wasn't somebody to just do this. Correct. She wasn't somebody just to like leave without telling people where she was. And it was really strange of her to skip class. That evening around 727 p.m., police received a phone call from Faith Westman, who was a resident of Haverhill, New Hampshire. And she was calling to say that there was an accident close to her home and that the car was stuck in a ditch. Two other witnesses came forward and said that they saw this vehicle and the accident. And One of these witnesses was a bus driver, and this bus driver saw the car in the ditch and stopped to see if the person inside needed any help, and that person was Maura. She told the bus driver that she had called AAA and didn't need any help, but the bus driver knew that this was a lie because there was no service on that road at all, no cell service, so she wouldn't have been able to call unless it was from a landline. Was her car fairly damaged? Was she okay? So there was a little bit of damage to the car, but not a ton. And he said that she appeared to be shaken up, but there was no blood that he could see anyways. And he said that the airbags were deployed when he saw her. Did she just run off the road on her own? It's not known what caused the accident. Mm. So he knew that, obviously, like I said, that she was lying because there's no cell service. So he goes to his house because it's right there. It's just like this small little neighborhood. And when he gets home, he uses his landline to call 911 and his call to 911 is placed at 7:42 p.m and the first officer to arrive on scene gets there at 7:46 p.m so there was only like 
a couple minutes difference because he said the bus driver said it only took a couple minutes to get home so maybe a total of 10 minutes after the bus driver had interacted with mora and the officer cannot find mora anywhere she's nowhere to be found which her dad did say that route 112 which was the road she was on would have made sense for her to be driving on that if she was going to bartlett like she said that she was and like the phone call indicated was her stuff still in the car in the alcohol? Yes. So the officer that arrived noted that the car was locked and facing the opposite direction that she was supposedly driving, which is strange unless she had somehow spun. But it, not a lot of it makes sense because there was no indication that she had spun. There was a box of red wine behind the driver's seat and there were stains on the ceiling and door and there was a Coke bottle with some sort of red liquid in it, which I'm assuming was probably red wine. The officer also had noted that there was a rag stuffed in her tailpipe, which was a little strange. But her dad, Fred, ends up coming out and saying that he had told Moore to do this because there was a bunch of excessive smoke coming out of her tailpipe. And he was trying to stop her from getting a ticket because if police see too much smoke, they, you can get a ticket. So putting the rag in there can or can help with that. There was some concern, though, because putting the rag in there can cause different mechanical issues. So they were like, did somebody put it in here so that her car would sound like it was having issues and she like like it was breaking down and she'd pull over? And that was their initial thought. But like I said, Fred came forward and said, nope, that was all us. And that was intentional. The officer that had arrived did ask the bus driver if he would assist in finding Mora. And he said, will you drive west of the accident scene and search some of the roads to see if you see Mora anywhere on a road just walking a state trooper was also there and he also was searching the west side the roads west of the accident then fire and ems were also there ems was dismissed pretty quickly most likely because nobody was there for them to treat and there were eight firefighters there and they briefly searched the scene but then went back west to go back to the fire station so from what is reported and what's believed, nobody searched east of the accident scene, just west. That's interesting. Any particular reason? The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I think it was just kind of like a mishap on their part. Like the state trooper went west the bus driver went west and i i think the other officer probably stayed at the scene of the accident investigating and then the firefighters were just around that area as well i do know that police since this have tried asking people to come forward if they were traveling on that road at the time that this occurred to see if anybody had seen her anywhere on this road because if people had seen her somewhere that would indicate that she was walking on the road if not, it would indicate one of two things. She went into the woods or she was picked up by somebody. She hitchhiked or somebody just grabbed her. 
it is such a short window of time that it makes you wonder if she did get in a vehicle because it would be strange that they wouldn't have been able to find her in this wooded area within like 10 minutes. That was my initial thought when you said that the police got there and she was gone. I was like, oh, she probably got picked up by someone or flagged someone down to get a ride somewhere. But that's also kind of strange if she told the bus driver she was fine, but then flagged someone down. It's really weird. And so we'll we'll talk about that more in like theories and speculation. So just a couple days before this incident occurred, Maura's father had been in town visiting with Maura and she had borrowed his car the one night to go to a party and you're on the way there on the way back. I don't I don't know. She got in a minor accident and struck a guardrail and there was eight thousand dollars in damage to his car. Ooh, doesn't sound that minor. <laughs> no, not really. But I mean, it could have been a lot worse. The car wasn't like totaled and she was absolutely fine. There was no indication of any damage or bodily harm then three months prior to this whole situation Mora was actually arrested she had been arrested for using a stolen credit card number to order fast food was it taco bell i do not know the exact fast food places that she visited or exactly what she ordered they did dismiss this charge, though, as long as she maintained good behavior. And I think this was because she had, like, a pretty good record before this. She hadn't really run into any incidents with the law or anything. Her family has come forward and said that they don't believe that the prior accident or the arrest had anything to do with her disappearance. If anything, if you want to speculate, you could speculate that maybe it's a little bit out of her character. Which I think we see that in some of our random missing person cases. I personally feel like this case reminds me a lot of the Bryce Lespisa case. Like there's some weird things that happened before. There's an accident and they're just never seen or heard from again. Yeah, it's interesting to like try to figure out that correlation because there are, I mean, with any crime case, you see this like bunching of similarities and it's like, what is going on here? Like, what does this mean? So... I don't have any other, like, information. What I told you, in regards to her disappearance anyways, what I told you is all that's really known. She was seen by some witnesses at one moment. Ten minutes later, an officer arrives. And she's nowhere to be found. Abby, what are, your, what are your thoughts before I go into a couple of the theories that I kind of have? So, my initial thought from this is... She was maybe a little stressed out from school and wanted to do a weekend getaway and for whatever reason accidentally went off the road and flagged down someone to get help and it, in my opinion, likely was not the best person and maybe they had something to do with her disappearance. Absolutely. Before we get into the theories, I do want to mention the family has a org page that they run. It's a website that they do. And they have said that they have been kind of targeted in the sense that they're being blamed for a lot of what happened to Mora, which we see that in every episode. Families always get blamed. So they do ask that what you focus on is Mora's disappearance, not the family or the fact that they had anything to do with it. Just trying to find any evidence. Like I said, the family is asking if anybody was traveling the Route 112 that night to come forward and be like, yeah, I saw Maura. She was walking 
east or yeah i'm actually the one that gave mora a ride to this place something like that if you know anything they just want to know but i do want to go into a couple theories that i personally could see with the information presented and i you do see them if you google and look into the case as well none of this is concrete though i just want to make that clear the family does believe that something more sinister happened to her like somebody found her that shouldn't have found her and it was just a bad situation here's a couple thoughts so one did she hitch a ride like abby said maybe she hitched a ride and somebody did drop her off just totally fine and she went on and started a new life or did she hitch a ride with somebody that she shouldn't have and something bad happened another one is did she kill herself did she go out there or plan to go to Bartlett to kill herself, got in this car accident on the way there, and decided that that was it, and she would just do it in the woods. Did she hitch a ride somewhere and go to another location and kill herself? Or could is it possible that she went into the woods and something happened in the woods? Maybe not necessarily sinister, but like something natural. Did she fall and have a heart attack? Did she fall and hit her head? I mean, there's so many different theories. If you remember correctly, though, we were talking about at the beginning, she's a very, very fast runner. So if she wanted to get away from the officer for some reason, if she didn't want to be found, did she just start sprinting and just run as far away as possible? Maybe the bus driver who stopped to ask her for help and ask her if she wanted an officer spooked her and she's like, crap, the police are going to show up and then ran off. If you remember, she had a bunch of alcohol in her car. Yeah, but that doesn't explain where she's at. If they search the area and search the woods, like, in my opinion, something else had to have happened. There has to be some, like, third party involved, maybe. No, I 100% agree. I just, these are just some theories that I've definitely, I've seen. And this would fall into the theory that maybe she did sprint away from the police or the scene of the accident and started a new life. I don't believe that one. I do agree that something bad probably happened to her. I don't think that she up and left. I know her family doesn't think that she up and left. Her mom did pass away in 2009 from cancer. And the family said that if Mora was alive and out there anywhere, they really don't think that she would have let her mother die and her not show up for the funeral or around the time of her mother's death or anything like that. Like they think that that would have brought her out if she was hiding somewhere. Right. I just I have a hard time buying into the people just taking off and leaving, especially in the cases like this one in Bryce Visa, where they're like young college students. Like, what are they gaining from that? I see that more as a scenario for people who have had maybe like have some debt or they got into some trouble that they're trying to avoid. And that seems like a more fitting scenario for people who have some past they're trying to actually escape from whereas in this case she seems to have everything going for her i mean i would agree i think that it sounds like she's got a lot going for her but i also know that what you put off sometimes isn't necessarily what's going on behind the scenes so if you guys know me and you listen to the podcast you know i don't put a lot of stock into people just up and running away the Bryce Lespiza case, I've always said that I think something worse has happened. It doesn't make sense in my head for somebody to be able to just up and walk away from everything and never be seen again. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around that happening. In 2019, 
her dad had actually been pushing for the case to be investigated more. The family's very actively involved. So in 2019, there was a house nearby where the accident occurred that the family had always been a little suspicious of for some reason. And there, it had a basement. So they ended up getting police to investigate it. And police had search dogs go out there two different times, two different search dogs that were trained by two different people. So like completely different. And they get to this house and both of these dogs at the separate times that they come indicate that they find something buried in the concrete underneath the basement. So the dad's like, we need to like take this a step further. We need to excavate. We need to get down there. We need to figure out what's going on. Like what is underneath here that the dogs are picking up on. So police do this. They go and they excavate the area after a lot of convincing and they end up finding nothing. They said that it was just a piece of pottery or something that was down there that these dogs got upset about. I I don't understand. And I know we've talked about in the last couple episodes. I don't understand any of it. It's with search dogs. There's just I I assume there's a lot of situations where it's helpful, but it feels like a lot of times it's just like what's going on. But I wonder, too, if they're picking up on something maybe prior to the house being there someone was buried there like way back when like how strong are their noses how long does the like scent of a body or something like similar to that stay i wonder if like where they get the concrete from maybe some scent or smell or esque is like mixed in with that i don't know how it works so i'm sorry if this is just absolutely off but I, I don't know the science behind what a search... And maybe maybe we need to do an episode on that. Maybe we need to do a mini discussing search dogs and it, everything and like what it entails. I agree. I know there's a series on Netflix. I can't think what it's called where they kind of like debunk these different types of methods used in um, cases. And one of them is on search dogs and I've watched it. And there was this woman who's like, I think it was her daughter or her son went missing and police just wouldn't search because they had had some like search dogs come in and smell the area and they didn't signal that something happened i don't know it was something like really minute like that and she's like so police just stopped investigating so it's so crazy we need but i think yeah i agree we need to it comes up enough we should watch some documentaries on it and get some more information so we can like give a better idea of what the heck is going on because i don't get it I mean, I know what they do. I know the premise of what they're doing. And I've like, I've watched some different videos and stuff and documentaries of the dogs, like looking for drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, that would make a little more sense because they're smelling the drugs. But what are they doing in this situation? Are they smelling for something that smells like Mora? Like, did they give her, give the dogs like the scent and say, like, go find something that smells like this? Or are they just saying like, go find something that smells like decomposition? Right. Well, I do know that, in some scenarios, it's the dog smelling f- or signaling that there is a body, like a human body, human remains, decomposition. I don't know in this case, obviously, if it was something specific to Mora or if it was just like noting that there could be possibly a body there. It's interesting, though. So, yeah, we should definitely research it more, maybe do a mini on it, like kind of the search dogs and stuff for you guys. And for us. <laughs> and for us, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Either way, I mean, she went missing February 9th, 2004. 
it's 2021, March of 2021 that we're recording this. And she has not been found. She has not been seen or heard from. So every year on the day of her disappearance, her father puts a blue ribbon on the tree that's nearby the spot where her car crashed. And they actually have been having some issues with this lately. So there's a blue ribbon campaign that's going on. And you can find the link in our description for the episode. It's the moramurraymissing.org slash call to action link. If you guys want to go to that, they are asking for help in basically just getting the area to be a historical marker so that it would kind of just be there forever. The people that own the land that the tree is on are keep trying to tear this tree down. And the family's been fighting with the county and the state to make sure that it doesn't get torn down because they want to keep this area kind of memorialized for Mora's disappearance. So if you guys want to go to that website, there is a like three-step thing where you can email the New Hampshire Historical Resource staff. And it does have, you can do a custom one or there's a sample message that's there that you can copy and paste and just put your name in the bottom. And it's basically you just sending it saying like, please make this a historical marker instead of tearing it down. You can also call the New Hampshire Historical Resources staff. It's got some numbers on there, some tips. And then you can also like, then the third step is also to share with your friends just to kind of get it out there so that people know about what's going on, know that this is an option. So just for kind of a a recap, Maura went missing on February 9th, 2004 at 21 years old. She was five foot seven inches tall, approximately 120 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing a dark jacket and jeans and her case status is currently a missing person with the disappearance being considered suspicious. There is a podcast that the family recommends that you go and check out that has a whole lot of information. I know that they have different like audio clips and things that have been inserted in there. We didn't take any, like we don't have any of those audio clips. So if you want to go check them out, go to the Maura Murray podcast. It's 107 Degrees is what it's called. The family website is the moramurraymissing.org. And if you go there, it also has a link to this podcast and anything involving this case they like I said they keep really active they have a Facebook page check it out and they recommend this podcast so if you have any information on the disappearance of Mora you can contact Mora Murray family direct at gmail.com and that is m-a-u-r-a m-u-r-r-a-y family direct at gmail.com or you can call the New Hampshire cold case unit at 603 603- 271-2663. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also join our Patreon family, where you can get early access to our episodes and exclusive content, such as our new Monday minis and a bonus monthly episode for as little as a cup of coffee a month. Donations to our podcast are always greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. If interested, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you have case suggestions, feel free to reach out through any of our platforms or email at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.